Welcome to Three Song Stories, a weekly exploration of music and memory and storytelling. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Jonathan Lawrence. Jonathan is a classically trained jazz violinist and fiddle player who lives here in southwest Florida. He grew up in Jacksonville and began studying violin when he was nine. During his high school years, he performed in several youth orchestras, high school orchestras with a church, and started his very first band, which consisted of three rock violin players. Later, he became a student of Rauda Fromovich, who was a student of the late, great David Oistrock, while at Stetson University, where he earned a bachelor's in music education with a focus in violin performance. During that time, Jonathan traveled as a performer throughout England, Wales, and Italy. After college, he began his career as a music teacher and violinist. He teaches general music, violin, orchestra, and chorus at the elementary level. He was my daughter's music teacher at Tanglewood Elementary, and he performs with the Gulf Coast Symphony and sometimes subs with the Southwest Florida Symphony. He also plays with various groups as a jazz violinist and fiddle player under the name J-Law Soul Violinist. J-Law has performed bluegrass, folk, pop, country, Americana, hip-hop, rock, reggae, and various other styles. When he performs solo, he utilizes his skills as an electronic violinist, guitarist, vocalist, pianist, and loop station artist to perform both original songs and new takes on Americana covers. His album is called The Lonely Warrior, which is available on most streaming platforms. Jonathan also works as the Youth Ensembles Coordinator for the Gulf Coast Symphony, where he's responsible for their youth program and a music summer camp, and he recently just became an ultra-marathoner. Hey there, Jonathan, or J-Law, or Mr. Lawrence. Hello. (laughs) In your life, what percentage of people of all ages call you those things? Well, I would say that my students all call me Mr. Lawrence, so... That would account for about, well, there's a lot of them. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking like maybe like nine out of ten people you know call you Mr. Lawrence. Yeah. So (laughs) since there's like a thousand people at my school, that might be 90%. Uh, Outside of that, all of my friends call me Mm -hmm. J-Law. People who I don't really know well call me Jonathan. (laughs) Understood. J-Law. I'm going to stick. I might want to stick with Mr. Lawrence because that's who you are to me. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so where did you grow up? And how would you describe what may be the musical background of your childhood? Okay, well, I, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. You know, it's uh, considered southern for where we are. You know, the higher you go up in Florida, the more southern it gets. Um, I guess probably I started off, um, I was kind of raised in the church, so I heard a lot of gospel music growing up. My uncle was a, a preacher. And uh, around the age of nine, uh, I picked up an instrument, the violin. So I started hearing a lot of classical music. Um, I I listened to a lot of your, uh, you know, R and B and hip hop. But I got really deep into to new soul music, neo soul, when I was hmm. uh, around a teenager. Understood. Yeah. What what kind of music was being played around the house? You said you were raised in the church. Was it mostly church music at home? Um, yeah, it was mostly, mostly church. Um, you know, I had a, you know, my mom was kind of strict, uh, more religiously wise. And so like when I would listen to other things, I would usually get my, um, my, uh, carry around CD player or tape player, depending on what year it was. And, um, so I would listen to gospel a lot, uh, 
you know, when I'm listening in the home, but when I want to listen in my headphones, I listen to whatever I want. So there was a lot of R&B and soul, and I, I really got into um, Music Soul Child, which is a, a neo-soul artist who inspired me to grow my first afro. So by the time I got into high school, I was sporting a huge afro and glasses. <laughs> was uh, that kind of music the kind of thing that your friends were listening to, too? Or were you just all out on your own little musical limb? Well, uh, definitely I was a little bit more widespread than my friends. But um, me and my, my cousin, we were really uh, connected. Uh, my cousin Johnny. We were really connected musically wise. He was a drummer. And so we would actually jam sometimes. Like he'd play drums and I'd play violin. <laughs> but we were we were the most connected musically musically wise. We really like soulful music, soulful R and B, anything that was good. And then um as I got a little older I started to venture out into some some pop music. We got into some John Mayer. Lots of things like that, but we kind of connected. We both had we both had matching afros <laughs> at that time. How long did it last? Um, All I, through high school. Yeah, I I started growing growing my hair out like uh, my second year of high school, and then I grew it out through to my uh, second or third year of college. Right on. So I was just wondering one day, I was like, what does my head look like? <laughs> and then I just, I had the barber cut it all off one day. Did you say you started playing violin around nine? Yeah, about nine years old. Why? Well, um, I was I was kind of inspired uh, just uh, one day I was at my house and I was uh, wandering around as a young lad. And I came across uh, this beautiful double bass that was just in, like, the back porch for some reason. Like one of the big things. Like one of those huge ones. So, like, it was, you know, twice the size as me. And I was kind of in awe of that. And and it was very beautiful, which uh, it happened a family member of mine was, was using it and had it at the house for some reason. And at my school, they were, they offered it. They offered violin and cello. And so I've. Uh, I kind of had uh, music in my family and my my father's side, but, you know, he wasn't really in the picture too much. So it kind of had to be me to have that aha moment as, wow, that's beautiful. I think I want to I want to try that. So I signed up to try the cello at my school. And you were what grade? Uh, I was in uh, fourth grade, nine years old. And uh, apparently I went to the wrong classroom. I was supposed to be in a cello class and uh, basically all the really cute nine-year-old girls were in a different class and I just followed them without (laughs) even asking (laughs) anyone. And that's why you turned out to be a violinist. (laughs) And that's how I ended up doing violin. They were like, well, do you want to do violin? I was like, yeah, I do. That's now. where that's where that's where these girls are. Did you take right to it, or was it you know? Were you like most fourth graders who were, as you know well, are you know screeching around? Well, um, I I kind of took to it. I I'm sure I did not sound that great first starting out, but I don't have any memory of being really uh, anxious about it, which is which is interesting compared to kids now. Like, I wasn't so worried about, oh, if I sound screechy or scratchy. I kind of just tried my best, and I ended up progressing pretty well and enjoying it. Hmm. So I continued. And so all through middle school, I mean, ever since? You've been playing the violin ever since one way or another? Yep. I went uh, elementary, middle, high school, and college. Hmm. 
Um, you brothers and sisters? Uh, yeah. Well, I grew up with with a brother who was um, on my mother's side. He was older, about six years older than me. And then I have um, some sisters in uh, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. Three did, sisters. Did your older brother influence you musically? No. <laughs> we we did not. Um, we really didn't even get along for for quite quite a while. But um, now we can we can connect now that we're both older. But yeah, he was more he was more into to hip hop and rap, and I wasn't as much into it. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really influence me except for maybe to try the opposite of what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. What did he think of your music or did he even know about your like soul music phase when you were, you know, 12 or whatever it was? Um, some of it he thought was okay. A lot of it he didn't really care for. Understood. Um, do you have any musical memories associated with your grandparents? Um, well, as it happens um, on my, my father's side... I didn't really, my uh, grandpa passed away when I was really young, like three or so years old. But I always hear stories about him. He's, uh, you know, Jack Lawrence. Uh, he's very famous for, well, I don't know, very famous, but he used to play the piano and the organ. And hmm. he actually, he, he was famous for playing with his feet sometimes. He'd play with his hands, play with his feet, really show out. And I can't recall the show, but he actually played for a television show back in the day, probably the 1950s or so. Were you ever, ever able show. to find any like stuff on YouTube or anything? I mean, is, did you track any down, any, any visual evidence of this? Um, yeah, I did at one point track the show down. Huh. Yeah, there's actually, um, I don't want to get way off track. Talking no, forever. that's okay. That's where we are. <laughs> but there's actually... Um, on that side, there's history um, connected to Fort Myers. So um, my uh, grandfather on his side, they're they are actually connected to the uh, Tillis family. So you might have seen that Tillis Street, mm-hmm. and that's actually the first African American family to move into Fort Myers. Wow! Ever. So that was the first African American family to move here. I think they. They were here for a while and relocated to uh, Tampa. Apparently, he was uh, friends with Thomas Edison, and they went fishing together. Huh. So there's a little old history there going back into the Tillis Did you family. know any of that about Fort Myers until you got here? Nope. And you've learned that since? No, I only learned, learned that about three years ago. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you ready for your first song? Sure. Uh, which is, this is the uh, the Tom Petty cover. Okay. How would you like to proceed? Would you like to listen to it or tell a story about it? Uh, why don't we listen to it first? Okay. Well, let me make sure I get this name right. So it's got all these names in it and everything. So it's – it's. this is a cover or rendition, maybe you could say, of Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down by Johnny Swim, Drew Holcomb, and the Neighbors featuring Penny and Sparrow. Yeah. Okay, I just get so confused by these names and what gets included. This is Jonathan Lawrence's first song today on Three Song Stories. No, we won't back down. That's really nice. Uh, Yeah, very beautiful song. What's the story? 
Well, uh, this story takes place over about 20 years, <laughs> but, but I won't, I won't use all 20 years, but, um, my, uh, the first part of the story really starts with, um, with me in high school and it's connected to the, uh, the singer. So, um, in that song, it's, uh, covered by the band Johnny Swim and, uh, the lead singer, the male lead singer, is Abner Ramirez, who I actually went to high school with. Huh. Yeah, so, and he's, uh, you know, Johnny Swim is a very popular, well-renowned band. You know, they've been on all the, the talk shows, the Late Late Show, Conan O'Brien, performed all over the place. And so it kind of starts with uh, with me in high school, so... When I was about 16 years old, yeah, 16, 7, yeah, 16, uh, I was starting to really find myself with the violin. So um, I used to like to really play around and mess around on it and try to create new tunes. And I ended up actually uh, starting a little three-person violin band, <laughs> and we used to really rock out. In the practice rooms, whenever we'd have a break, we'd just start to jam together. Was this a band that had a name, or was this just a group of guys that played violin together? Well, we we went through three names, and I can't remember any of them. <laughs> okay. I'll let you off the hook. <laughs> I remember our, our big gig that we had was uh, we got to play for some some event with the, the sheriff came, and <laughs> that was our, our big show back then. But we used to really go at it in the practice rooms and jam and create songs. And um, one day this kid, uh, Abner, he came in with his guitar and he used to jam with us. And I just really used to to find myself in those jam sessions. I used to be the guy that would uh, never let the jam session end. We'd all be playing. I'd be playing violin, Abner on the guitar, maybe even other people would join us. They see our energy. It would build up to a huge climax, simmer down, and right when we we're about to end it, I'd come up with something new, and we'd start jamming. I actually have a have a picture of us all somewhere jamming on jamming in the practice room. But then I noticed um, when this guy Abner uh, he was playing the guitar, he would kind of have an audience. He wrote a lot of original songs, and um, I. I made the connection of guys singing beautifully with a guitar, girls like you, uh-huh. <laughs> girls like that. <laughs> and um, so he actually, uh, uh, he's he's singing a lot of gospel and a lot of soulful music. And he inspired me to beg my parents to uh, to get a guitar. Really? My own. Wow. So, and uh, he and uh, another guy who played bass, John Richard, actually taught me my very first song on the guitar, which was um, Dave Matthews, um, I can't even think of the song, um, Crash, Crash uh-huh. by Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's how I learned my first song on the guitar. And uh, I started playing on and off. I still play guitar now. and actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, I actually gig and... I play a uh, guitar and violin and sing and and loop it all together. Well, fast forward uh, about ten, fifteen years. <laughs> he, um, you know, he obviously continued playing. He met uh, 
his, well, a beautiful singer at church. They started a band together called Johnny Swim, and they actually ended up getting married. So they're kind of like a married uh-huh. <laughs> band. And um, let's say this is um, probably 2017. I'm kind of, I'm about, I'm about 30, I guess, <laughs> 30 or so <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, you know, I've been in a lot of relationships, um, getting over a broken heart. Started um, talking with this new girl and I'm, uh, started really kicking it off about 30 years old. So um, I planned out this perfect, amazing first date because I was like really feeling this girl, uh, Kathy. So I planned it out and it just so happened that um, Johnny Swim, the band, was scheduled to perform on that very day. So I scheduled us for to go to this beautiful music festival, which was in downtown Fort Myers. Uh-huh. And we go to this barbecue, we'd walk around, I plan it all out, we have a few drinks, we'd listen to to Johnny Swim. I could introduce her, give me a little wing. Yeah, you got a little yeah, <laughs> you got a little off. in with the band. <laughs> yeah, got it in with the band, they're a famous band. <laughs> got it all planned out. And uh, the day before Ghosted. <laughs> so, oh no! So I, I, I got ghosted. <laughs> Your story's got right turns in it. <laughs> yeah. So she's not really responding to me, and then um, on the day of our date, you know, she finally got back to me and she said, "Like, uh, I can't really go. I'm not feeling too well. You know, I had a, a car accident a little bit ago, and um, I don't. I met this girl online, so I don't know if you." You've done that before? Uh, no, no, not not really in any traditional sense these days. No. Yeah. So a lot of times, uh, you're if you're getting ghosted and they want to end it, you know, they might make something up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, I don't know if she's kind of making this up and just doesn't really want to date or, or what. And um, so she couldn't attend. I went by myself, got to. Did all the things just without a date. <laughs> Did all the things without a date. Got a little uh, a wink from Abner, pointed, acknowledged I was here, said hello, went home. But she did uh, call me back, you know, and we got to the very next day we went on a date uh-huh. at the, uh, the Edison restaurant. And, yes, I know this. it ends with the girl is my wife now so. <laughs> <laughs> but um the part i did skip a part which is uh, my uh Abner, you know he did play that won't back down and that in that performance and then you know really i really connected with it because um you know in my life i was there was a lot going on and it was just like um spiritually something that i needed needed to hear in his music and you know when you think of it, he didn't back down. He went quite a while before he uh, he really uh, broke into the industry, mm-hmm. and he, like, he stayed strong with all that he went through. So I just really connected with that song. What's your wife's name? Kathy Kathleen. Kath- Kathleen. Do you and Kathleen ever listen to Johnny Swim together? <laughs> yes, we we have. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen him perform again since? Um. No, they don't. They haven't come back. I think they came back one more time in this area. Hmm. So we'll have to 
I'll have to go search them out somewhere. They, they haven't come back. Hmm. So um, let's go back to high school for a little bit before we get into what you do now. Um, were you like just all about music in high school? Did you do any theater, I guess is what I'm wondering, or anything like that? So um, like you'd maybe be theater adjacent? Um, no, in, um, in middle school, I was trying my, my hat at theater, which um, didn't quite work out. And then I ended up being like a, a lighting and sound and makeup technician. Oh. I ended up doing a lot of makeup on like a really like scars and things like that so they could make me look cool <laughs> but and and I also did football I was a bench warmer you know the kept the bench warm for all the other all the other players I wasn't um you know I wasn't like a popular kid I was kind of like a at the younger years I was more of like a um very like a nerdier kid more I had a lot of imagination was kind of um, awkward, but as I grew throughout, large afro, yeah, large afro. Well, started started low, and then it grew. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was kind of um, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends, but I start, had a started to grow a few friends in my last couple of years there that we became close. At that point in time, was pursuing music either as a performer or as an educator in your brain. Um. Yeah, someone, they asked me, um, I had to audition to get in at high school, Douglas Anderson School of the Arts. Gotcha. We have a lot of successful uh, people that come from our school, some that study in Juilliard and, <laughs> and whatnot. But yeah, they, they asked me when I went and I was like, I want to be a rock star. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to pursue professionally music. I knew that at that time. And then you went to Stetson? Yeah, then I went to Stetson. Tell us about your time there and the the woman you studied with. Okay, well, um, when I was in high school, the uh, the professors, the uh, orchestra conductor and the uh, violinist professor Ruta Kromovich Gomez, because she mad she's yeah, that's an <laughs> interesting. There's another right turn in that name. <laughs> yeah, well, she um she married a, a a man who was Chilean, so and but she's from Latvia. Hmm. So uh, yeah, near Russia, so that's why there's a right turn in her name. But they uh, visited our school and they actually uh, guest conducted us for a while, and they they um, they were they were really fun. I felt like I could learn from them, and I had to start making some decisions. <laughs> so, I think you know about that probably around I now. I certainly do. <laughs> Seventeen and eighteen year old, and yeah, what am I going to do with my life? And um, yeah, they. Uh, Told me that I should uh, audition for audition for a scholarship. I didn't really have you know the the finances, so I was able to get a a good uh, performance scholarship. And I mainly went there uh, for Ruta. I went there. I call her. Uh, I gave her a nickname, Ruru. Sometimes I call her Ruru. Ruru. <laughs> but I went there really for Ruru, and that actually ended up being one of the reasons I stayed there throughout that time. But she was um, she's a student of the uh, David Oistrakh, who is a uh, a famous um, Russian violinist. Well, I think where he was born actually was is now um, Ukraine. But he, Wikipedia a, described him as a Soviet. Yeah, that means I think that yes, he wasn't from Russia. He was within the Soviet Union when it was still a thing. Yeah, so you know, 
where his birthplace is. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's no bearing on anything. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, he's um, he's known as like one of the kings of violin. So like, almost anyone who studies with him is like turned out to be really good. Um, he's considered like um, badass, like a badass person. Like uh, there's stories about him during World War II where he did a a performance where like they were like literally bombing the city where he's performing in and he has like this really thick skin and performs anywhere anyways with bombs going off surrounded by people with machine guns and he's still okay I'm going to perform Tchaikovsky's violin concerto here for the soldiers right now so um he did yeah that happened a lot during that happened during World War II so he's kind of considered a, a real badass and he uh, taught at the uh, Moscow Conservatory of Russia. Huh. So he was the instructor or teacher of the woman who was your instructor or teacher. Yeah. It's like I, You're I like think the of him. Grandkid. As, yeah. I think of him as my grandpa of music. Your grandpa <laughs> of music. How much of your time while you were at Stetson was uh, focused on performance and how much was focused on like music education? Well, um, at first, I actually started off as a uh, performance major. So, and um, I really, yeah, I really continued as a performance major. I added education later. So, I uh, I did work study, where I worked under, uh, where I did work study for a few places. But I eventually ended up working for Ruta, and um, Ruru. Yeah, for Ruru. So I would do anything she needed me to do, including getting her the, the right coffee. English is like, by the way, like her fifth language. Right. So um, it took uh, took a while for me to get her coffee right, <laughs> <laughs> making copies for her. And then um, when she taught, she did uh, education classes like string methods, and then I would help her teach class. Hmm. And it was actually it was actually her that came up with the idea that I should probably I should add education, music education as my major, which I wasn't really thinking about it, but she was, you know, thinking about my future and yeah, I wasn't sure if I would have enough money to to go to grad school or not and she was basically foreseeing that if I really want to have a like she saw that I was good at it first of all as I as I helped her and she was like yeah, if you add music education then you can for certain have a job when you leave here so she just wanted she was kind of looking out for me mm-hmm. but I still wanted you know the whole performance experience so I still was I had performance no I had a music bachelor's of music education with a focus in performance so I still kept it up in any performance major duties I did them I did a full on performance recital Four hours of practice every day. Like, I was full on in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was not messing around. <laughs> huh. Um, okay, well, we get to what happened when you uh, once you started doing some teaching, because that's how I met you. But let's do your second song uh, before that. All right. That is the one by the guy, the, 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 the guy that's the Soviet guy. Yeah. Sort of. What is, what is it? <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a... It's uh, Sibelius is the composer uh-huh. who's a who's a master composer. There's actually um, a composing software named after him. Like a lot of 
you know, obviously these days people don't like write down with a pen all the oh, okay. <laughs> notes. So there's actually a notation software named after him. He's um from Finland, which you know I'm not a history <laughs> <laughs> geometry guy, geometry guy, but um he's uh, uh he's the most famous composer from Finland. He actually helped the like he it was kind of he helped do a lot of patriotic music that kind of made them gave them an identity so it kind of separated them out from like a from the Soviet Union from Russia showing mm-hmm. their own identity all right and this is his uh, violin concerto and it's got that guy that David Ostrick guy in there yeah, right yeah my uh, grandpa my musical grandpa is he he's who's performing this yeah he's playing it and it's a violin concerto in D minor, opus 47? Yes. I got it right that time. Mm-hmm. All right, this is Jonathan Lawrence's second song today on Three Song Stories. This is Biography Through Music. Very amazing piece. Um, I, I appreciate, well, there's like a, so much energy, so much intensity to me, some of the some of it's kind of like listening to listening to like an electric guitarist just rock out and just do riffs. I'm just hearing incredible, beautiful, fast techniques and um, rhythms and things that are like impossible to play almost. And then it switches to these beautiful melodies that are so delicate and so intricate and just so loving and how they can kind of. You can kind of switch between the two. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. And it kind of um, shows to me like sort of the, there's like a spirit in it. Like there's a spirit of um, being fearless. Like you're all of these incredible fast rhythms that you have to play these things that you're really strong. And it's sort of um, part of the Russian school, the way they play very firm and then um there's the the beautiful melodic parts i don't know it kind of it's hard to to say it in words mm-hmm. but to me it's almost like kind of showing me how i want to live as a person like mm. it's showing me like sometimes i like need a to life map in a song <laughs> yeah like wow. some, sometimes i need to be like I, I do channel that sometimes when I'm playing. Sometimes I need to be uh, fearless and strong and sometimes intricate and, you know, loving. And I don't know, it kind of connects to, to life. But, yeah, very, I love it. Beautiful. How did you come across it? Have you ever played it? Um, I've, I've not, well, I haven't played. Could you play it? <laughs> well, you the, said so you, you used the word impossible. To describe it, not 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 that it was impossible. That you said, I think you said, almost seems impossible. Like, yeah, where well, could you get to those par- impossible parts? Well, um, almost impossible. Um, I've been saying that a lot. This is coming from a man. Uh, this past year, I actually I ran my first marathon, ultra marathon, and I thought that was impossible. So I do. There's a lot of impossible things that. You but think you, but are, you're, but you're, you're not answering the question about this piece. <laughs> you think you can, but um, I, I, I mean, I could play it with practice. Yeah, but um, I have played the uh, the orchestral accompaniment, but not the solo part. Gotcha. So the other parts that you hear, I've played that, and I've heard um, uh, Ruta. She's played it as well. 
and yeah, I've listened to her play it. So I, but I, it would take me a while to get back up to that. Do you ever, you know, consciously put it on because you need a little boost? Uh, yeah, or or something something like that. There's so many so many great pieces, but yeah, I can channel like some people from some uh, violinist or music from that that Russian period. It's like the uh, romantic period, post uh, post romantic slash modern period. There's a lot of great composers. Sibelius, he has Symphony Number no. Five, beautiful nature piece. Um, Tchaikovsky, obviously, is one of the greatest. <laughs> I've heard of him. <laughs> Shostakovich. Actually, um, Shostakovich dedicated a, a piece to David Oistrakh, a violin concerto mm-hmm. that he plays. Mm-hmm. So they they knew each other uh, very well. But, yeah, I I can't play that piece right now if you're asking me to pull out my violin. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you put your mind to it and spend some time, you'd probably at least get close. Yeah, I, I could play it. Yeah. Um, how long have you been an elementary school music teacher now? Um, let's see. Uh, 14 years completed. 14 years. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before the show. You taught at a, ta- at a charter school or schools for a while before you went to Tanglewood? Yeah, I did uh, three three years at the uh, Charter Schools USA and then uh, 11 at Tanglewood. Tanglewood Elementary, which is how I met you. You were my daughter's music teacher. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, what was that like when you first started working with kids? Because it's one thing that, you know, I mean, did you work with kids while in college as part of your music education? Yeah. Well, I, when is I that was, how it works? I just don't know how it works. Well, um, I, I did. Well, when I was actually working for Ruta, so we have actually a, a community orchestra, a community youth orchestra at Stetson. That uh, Miss uh, Kromovich teaches. Oh, there's so many stories that can come from this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I actually uh, I worked with them. Sometimes she would have me take over the class because she she knew I was going to be doing music education. She'd have me sitting in like every section, <laughs> and um, yeah, there was one kid um, who I got to work with, um, Randall Gooseby. He's actually, um, well, I got to work with him when he was like eight years old. But I'm just privileged to have worked with him because he's doing big, amazing things cool, now. Cool, cool, cool. Like um, he was a student of Exoc Perlman, which was one of the greatest American violinists alive mm-hmm. and uh, doing all sorts of things. But, um, yeah, so I got to teach. And then my plan actually was to do um, like probably high school orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was uh, some issues there because I got placed in elementary school during my internship. So um, were you just like, okay, I'll do that, or were you kind of like, I, oh boy, how's this gonna work? <laughs> yeah, I, I was not happy with that. <laughs> Somehow, like, yeah, that was the only school I could get, and um, that experience actually ended up being really good. I got to work with a. Uh, my uh, teacher was Craig Upperkew, and he's he just you know he got me to really enjoy doing it. The kid like the kids loved me. I loved them. It was he was showing me all the advantages. Mm-hmm. And by the time I finished, I felt like, oh well, I can do this. This is fun. Why not do it? And then 
I can uh, do the other stuff on the side. <laughs> Elementary, I mean, you know, that's before they start getting really angsty. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun age. The the upper grades, the last couple of grades, they start kind of turning towards the middle school behavior. But overall, you know, it's you know they're fun. They they'll do a lot of things, before, you know, that the older ones won't do. If I'm doing the math right, if you've been there 11 years, you basically were you're like your first year was probably Gwen's kindergarten or first grade year. Like mm-hmm. you probably showed up the same time she did. Yeah, I remember I was young back in those days. <laughs> I think I remember having our course cover some Coldplay or something. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do Coldplay, guys. <laughs> you did. You did fun stuff um, over the years when you start a new school year and you've got you know new students, um, new classes for music and stuff. Are, do you have some years where you're like, oh wow, this is gonna be great. These kids got some you know potential, and then some years are like. We're going to have our work cut out for us. Is it, or is it all kind of the same every year? Well, um, I kind of, um, you know, I put a lot of responsibility on myself for, like, how the kids do. So I feel like, you know, I can teach I can teach any kid, you know. I can, I can get them up to par, especially if they've been with me for a while. Then I'm kind of, you know, getting them a little higher and higher every yeah. year yeah. and with their education. And then... You know, sometimes there's a surprise where you get a kid and they're like really advanced or they're really putting a lot into it. And then, you know, you get a kid like that, Randall, and he's doing all sorts of amazing things. And I've had a couple of a couple of kids like that where it's like, I wonder where they are now. I know they're way you beyond could see it. me. You could, yeah, you could you could see it in them. Yeah, I was like, they're going to be way beyond me before they graduate high school. Huh. Um, do you ever, um, you know, because you, you were those kids when you were that age, kind of, you know, you started at nine. Do you ever kind of see, like, flashback to, like, the, the parallels between the life you lived and the people who inspired you and to the, what you're doing now? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I think, I think so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I see some some parallels about uh, you know things I went through. Definitely, I I want to give props to uh, my mother because um, she wasn't you know a violinist type person, <laughs> but yeah, she would be driving me all over town because I I love playing so much. So I played in like three or three or four orchestras or groups as like a, a high schooler. She was driving me all over the place. So then I, you know, I have appreciation for definitely the parents and like who are support their kids and they make sure they're where they need to be. So definitely see that. And then I can see like where when it comes to practicing, you know, it's kind of different. Some kids for me, it felt like a effortless, like it was a fun activity. Just do this for 30 minutes, an hour. Have some fun, and but for some kids, it's can be more of a pain. Yeah, so it's a little, little different. Gwen played trombone all through middle school, and I never heard her practice once. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> but she was good. I mean, she could get up and at least hold her own. But at home, I'm mm-hmm. like, do you ever play that thing? <laughs> Maybe she practiced in secret. <laughs> <laughs> you don't practice a trombone in secret. Yeah. Did you have any uh, any teachers, you know, elementary or middle school that? You know, were were that inspired you? That were your Mr. Lawrence, if you will. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a couple. It was you know it was kind of interesting. Um, uh, one of my teachers through middle school that for orchestra, he was there with us for a while, and um, he like he taught the uh, middle school and the high school, 
but he ended up only teaching me like a six through ninth and then he ended up moving and then it kind of went to crap at our school <laughs> so definitely having a good director helps so it really went it went to crap like we've had um kind of some irish fiddle teachers who didn't really know much about classical had a guy that used to get in the bar fights and tell us about it. Oh, so uh, uh, kind, of, <laughs> yeah. kind of like your brother. They taught you what you didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, by the time I got to my last year, um, we got a, a really good uh, teacher, Mr. Chase. Um, yeah, he was he was, uh, he was a really good teacher. He had a little a hint of sarcasm, which I liked. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he got – he, Got us to uh, perform as a full orchestra with some practices after school instead of just like strings and then the band teacher doing that. And uh, we got to do a special ensemble uh, of this beautiful piece, Appalachian Spring, Mm. which is like... I've heard of it. Which is gorgeous. I got to play like one of the main violin parts in that. That was a special moment. But yeah, he was kind of inspiring and as a teacher now, like when I go to the conference, I sometimes see him. <clears throat> so I, I talked to him one time and he was like, uh, like, how was I as a student to him? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was like, wow, you're a really good student, but you just, I didn't know you would be a teacher. He didn't seem like he had that much to say because I pretty much just kept my mouth shut <laughs> right. and listened. Huh. Well, I want to thank you because, you know, my daughter is still pursuing. She is, lives a life completely enveloped in the arts. And you were her Mr. Lawrence. And then there was, you know, Mr. Lynch and Mr. Morrell at Dunbar and then G and Miss Carmen at Cyprus. And those are her people that made her what she is. So thanks. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad I could have a, have a part. She was she was a fun kid. Um, uh, talk some before we do your third song. Talk talk some about the music that you make. You have an album out that's called Lonely Warrior. Uh, yeah, I made an album called The Lonely Warrior, which was um, it takes uh, some of what I do when I, I perform out live. I do a well now it's electric violin, guitar, singing. And you do the loop thing, and I do <clears throat> looping. For you know the recording, I didn't do looping, but right, right. But when you perform, you do. Yeah, and I yeah I do that, and um, some of them are like instrumental pieces. I was kind of it was a more of a fun album. I had a lot of fun with it. Some of them are instrumental instrumental pieces where I sing. Um, I am one of my good buddies uh, who was also an art teacher who became one of my best friends, Huli. She actually designed the art cover, which. Has me well, like a shadow of me being sucked into a spaceship, so it, <laughs> it kind of shows like my um my out of space you know dorky side, my <laughs> Doctor Who liking side, <laughs> but yeah, some of it does sound quite you know like out of space, out of space like. And then you play out with bands, various bands. You've played with also with symphony sometimes. You know, talk some about that. Yeah. So um. I played a lot. When I first moved here, probably when I was uh, teaching Gwen, I was playing so much. I think I played in uh, about 10 bands. People who used to call me like a musical slut, <laughs> just <laughs> playing everywhere. Uh, nowadays, I you know I try not to do as much. And um, But I've played with – I play a lot with the uh, Gulf Coast Symphony, mm-hmm. which I also work for them now as their uh, youth ensembles coordinator. Mm-hmm. 
So I uh, I work with them, and I'm actually planning a camp that's going to start next week. A nice, wonderful camp with all sorts of musical theater, band, jazz, all the good stuff. Um, I've been playing a lot lately with this reggae rock and roll band called uh, Indigo Eye, hmm. which we have some cool music online. Very, very awesome, amazing singer. It's uh, I think the uh, well, I know that the the lead singer and the guitarist are like a, a couple, a husband and wife, and they do a lot of festivals. Um, I'm actually planning something where those two worlds coexist, where the where the we're uh, doing a performance like for something like a symphony event <laughs> so oh yeah yeah so we'll have some more information about that a little later but we'll be kind of mixing it up together anywhere that you'll be playing in the future that you know of that you can tell us that we could direct people toward or not um i do a lot of random stuff <laughs> kind of hard to predict <laughs> but um yeah right now i um i have a gig coming up um, in, uh, with Indigo Eye and St. Pete on not this Saturday, but next Saturday. No. So after yeah. this will come out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, my next big show is probably that that one. Gotcha. It's, it's probably going to be in uh, August or early September. So you can look on the, the Symphony website for that. And I, I just get all kinds of random, <laughs> random calls. I've done a lot of... Uh, Country also lately. What's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? <laughs> well, <laughs> fiddle. I've been waiting for an opportunity, and that was it. I sprung. <laughs> uh, fiddle dances, violin sings, or a violin has strings, fiddle has strings. <laughs> okay, I that's that's fantastic. Um, I lost my train of thought. That's so good. Oh, John Davis, you play with John Davis sometimes, right? Yeah, I played with him in his band. I've been yeah. There's so many. Like, I need to start keeping a log. There's so many performances I play every year. Like, maybe like fifty shows a year or something wow. like that. Okay, well, let's do the third song now. This is the tonight tonight. Okay. When you want to tell a story, you want to listen to it. Um, let's listen to it first. All right, this is Jay Law's final song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. This is uh, Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins from their 1995 album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. The story starts with me um, about yeah my uh, first experiences as an adult. Okay. <laughs> so um, <laughs> just becoming an adult. So um, when I was, uh, you know, right before college and everything, you know, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I remaining, you know, we talked about it. I listened to like a lot of we had gospel, didn't really have a choice. <laughs> I listened to some R&B, hip hop, soul music. Um, I didn't really get it a lot into a lot of other things. Um, I kind of feel like a little bit in uh, Jacksonville, things are like somewhat... Like um, how do I, I guess seg- like a little bit segregated. Mm-hmm. So like, you described it as I the South a, before. Yeah. So I had like a lot of like I had my family, and then I had um, students at school. But it was like kind of racially segregated in the community a lot. So a lot of like other music I really had no experience in. 
So um, when I started college, didn't have too many friends, but uh, one of my first friends I made was this uh, kid named Eric. And, um, you know, he was big into to classical romantic music just like me. So, you know, we used to hang out and uh, just listen to tunes, listen to beautiful music. And um, he kind of introduced me to a lot of a lot of new things. <laughs> he opened my eyes to... He opened my eyes to things such as um, Dookie by Green Day and um, <laughs> Soundgarden. So he was listening to more than just the kind of music you listen. Yeah, to, he clearly. opened he opened my he opened my mind with a with a lot of like uh, you know rock and roll and indie and like all these new bands like I had no idea. about. Was it stuff that you totally had never heard, or you just never listened closely to? Never listened. Closely, he took me to my first show as an adult to the um, oh, what are they called? Irish band, punk Irish band. Oh, I can't punk Irish band, Jared. Punk Irish band. We're gonna know. I what can. It is, I'll right? sing you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, he yeah, he took me to the the punk part of Gainesville. Like we kind of became. Like family, I got to meet his family and everything, and uh, he introduced me to to this song as well, to like the whole album. He would uh, he would even play. It starts the album starts with a big piano part, and he had had memorized it and would play it on the piano. And he was actually like a composer, so he would like write songs that kind of kind of like what Green Day sounds like for a symphony. Like he hmm. could, he could do that. So um, yeah, he got me really into that song and uh, we had a, a little adventure there was a lot of adventures but i'll tell you about one of them <laughs> you're grinning like it was an adventure it was it was bad <laughs> <laughs> but um i will tell you um yeah he i had my first ever alcoholic beverage with with um with him and um so we used to hang out he's kind of like uh, he's an adventurous guy. I'm more like the guy that's like, I don't know about this. We're we're gonna get in trouble. We probably shouldn't do this. So it's kind of like um, that that one movie where like uh, they kind of meet and like they go on a, a trips or something. I'll tell you about later. But so I'm like the he was tag he along. was he was Zorba the Greek. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the tag along. like the tag along. That's like I don't know. We should not do this at all. So um, one day, you know, he um, comes up to me with this huge grin on his face that's, like, very suspicious. <laughs> and he's like, um, hey. Well, I was Jonathan back then. So he's like, hey, Jonathan, guess what? We're going to throw a legendary party. <laughs> so he's like, I'm like, how are we throwing a party? And he's like, um, he just played like uh, some kind of uh, wedding gig and they gave him like all of the or, or he took <laughs> all of he the, wound up with all of the um, alcoholic beverages and he had them in his trunk. He had a trunk full of booze, a trunk full of booze. And he's like, <laughs> OK, we're going to throw a party. So I'm, of course, like um, well, this is not a good idea. I don't know about this. I'll just ride in the car. <laughs> so um, our plan—we had a huge master plan. His best friend's family had a, a condo on the beach, Fort Myers Beach. 
Um, well, this is uh, I went to college that time. Oh so yeah, you like, were up there, um, so it's like Daytona yeah, or something it's like, like yeah, Daytona area condo yeah. on the beach. Um, but they like we can't let them know that obviously we're throwing a party there. And so we had a master plan where we uh, took pictures of exactly where everything was, everything valuable. So you could recreate a perfect. So cre- yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so we moved everything. That valuable. must have been your idea. The word yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We took everything valuable and we 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 hid it up in in closets and things so there would be no damage. And the uh, the party was mostly for uh, like all of the orc dorks, so all of the orchestra kids, which are are you know they are pretty. They have wild sides, uh, which I come to learn. <laughs> so yeah, as we're like, it was a little slightly out of town, so you know we're. Driving down the street, of course, you know, putting this song on, and it kind of brings back that feeling of, um, you know, it's going to, like, tonight's going to be a legendary night. Like, you got to just believe in this, Jonathan. You'll be okay. You'll survive. (laughs) So It's like a coming-of-age movie scene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, we we get down there. We, uh, we... Recreate. We t- put everything away. We had a huge party. You know, I had party was successful. The party was successful. You know, and, a couple of music kids hooked up with each other. Right. Various places on the beach, <laughs> and um, uh, we survived. We put everything back, and um, using the photos, using as the guides. photos. <laughs> At one point, um, I guess when we were arriving there, there was actually uh, this crab. That was stuck in between, like the I guess the sewer and the ground, like a real crab, like a, a real a real crab, like a blue crab. Okay, yeah. And so at one point we had to rescue it with a frisbee. So I'm like, nope, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. <laughs> so after ten minutes of <laughs> convincing me, we come up with a plan where he's gonna put it in the frisbee, and I'm gonna run with it in the frisbee and set it free on the beach. So um, he puts it. I'm like, no, no, no. He puts it in there. I start running as fast as I've ever ran in my life. <laughs> toss it on the bridge. Toss it on the beach. Had you had an alcoholic beverage before this? No, adventure? <laughs> I should have. <laughs> I only, I only think I had like, like one. I was really not a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was like, okay, I'll try this, and it's like. Two percent alcohol or something, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, we set it free, we, and um, he was actually writing a, a string serenade, like a piece, and that ended up being that crap. We named it Jake. That was on the. Um, we made a DVD of a, our orchestra performing the piece, and it was featuring the crab <laughs> that we rescued. So yeah, that's kind of yeah my story of that song. Do you still listen to Smashing Pumpkins? Is that like what do you listen to now? Um, well, um, I still listen to Smashing Pumpkins. I listen to a lot of things, but I for, almost forgot to tie in the because it, it kind of has a little ending. Bring part it, to the yeah. Story. Well, bring it. <laughs> I forgot to tie in this last part. So um, the uh, Smashing Pumpkins video tonight features um, the set, uh, scenery and art by. Um, uh, famous artist uh, Wayne White. So later in life, actually, when I moved here, 
I actually got to meet and work with Wayne White. So he's huh. uh yeah, he's a, a wonderful artist. He's famous for pop art. One of his famous paintings is uh Nixon. But um he does these puppets. So that some of the puppets are or actually he did the puppets for Pee Wee's Playhouse, Pee Wee Hermits. And he lives around here? Um he doesn't live here, but he traveled here for uh, that okay. art show. Roger. Yeah, and he did a lot of the scenery and the puppets from that music video tonight. Tonight, And what he does is he does these huge puppets. I wouldn't say life-size. I'd say, like, maybe triple life-size. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he'll spend, like, all week finding these parts, working on this huge mechanical puppet that it takes, like, five people right, to right. move. Huh. And we did some kind of a show around show around Christmas time, and they were looking for a violinist so to do kind of a, a death march. I guess it was sort of nutcrackerish, a death march of this puppet moving through the uh, the gallery at FSW. Uh huh. So yeah, they, someone got it on video. So that. They have this whole show planned, like a big explosion happens, this puppet, which is the this head is going to the ceiling, like breaks through a wall, a wall, three people are moving it around, and me and this snare drummer are playing a, a death, it was, well, yeah, death march music as we work with Wayne White. And cool. I got to meet him, talk to him. He was, you know, exhausted because he spent all <laughs> all week not sleeping, just working on this. And, um, yeah, I got a picture with him and it was like, wow, you were, you worked on tonight? It was kind of a huh. all everything comes back around moment that I got to meet him and work with him. Cool. So, yeah, that's how that comes back around. I know I didn't answer your question. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, we're going to do a speed round. You ready for a speed round? Okay. Um, do you do karaoke? Not a lot, but I have. What would you be your go-to if you had to? I used to do um, 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 John Legend, um, Ordinary People a lot. A lot. Yeah. You make it sound like but, you didn't, then you use the word a lot. Well, I used to, but because it's always every time I get to it, it's like, can I hit that one high note? Huh. I gotta, gotta hit that falsetto. Do you and your wife Kathleen's Kathleen's right? Kathleen uh, musical taste align. Um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Where not. would it not the most? Um, it probably wouldn't the most um, with some some rap. Probably the most, and then sometimes she goes a little more country than I would go. A little more twang. Yeah, a little more twang. Not a lot, just a little. And then definitely like 90s rocking things we, we meet on there, um, like rock and roll. We'll meet right in the middle. Do you have any nicknames besides J-Law that you'd be willing to share? Uh, sure, why not? So um, me and my brother, were, we were nicknamed um, uh, Pooh and Papa. Pooh Bear, Papa Bear, I was Pooh. He was older and skinnier. He was Papa. So we had those nicknames growing up. He liked his. I did not like mine. So Gwen's nickname when she was little was Gwen of the Pooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to get called Pooh. Still, uh, when I go back, since uh, a lot of my family uh, is still at the church, since my uncle was like a, a bishop at a church, they, they all call me Pooh. And then they're like, oh, wait. Jonathan. Oh, wait, J-Law. <laughs> so um, when was the last time you bought music that you could hold in your hand that was like a CD or a record? 
or something. Oh, and I could hold in my hand. I just recently got rid of um. Well, I didn't get rid of. I changed cars, and so that was like my last thing that I could play a CD in. But um, I recently, the last time I bought one I could hold in my hand was from the band. I might have to look at my phone to remember what they're called. Sure, it's a a folk band. It's not, I turned it off. <laughs> All right. It's a folk band. They travel here every couple of years. The uh, The lead singer plays uh, an amazing uh, banjo and guitar. I have to look them up to remember what they're called. But they're just an amazing, amazing showmanship. So, so like, the song lyrics are, like, they're very... They can be emotional, but the actual singer, he can be hilarious. <laughs> it's not David Mayfield, is it? Yes, David Mayfield Parade. There He's been on this show. He has? He's been in that chair. I bought, he was the last, I, uh, the last album he came to the... Uh, Sydney Ace, Byrne. Well, Sydney oh. Byrne, and then I think Ace, ACMA <laughs> is where I, I, I saw him do a house show the last time he came, David Mayfield I Parade. am a huge fan of his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah, I remember my first show I saw with them back in the day when he had his full band. There was so much showmanship. Like mm-hmm. it was like the one violinist was like climbing up with a huge double bass and flipping off of it. And <laughs> awesome, that's a great. I'm so glad I burst out and said it. Yeah, right before I. The got more it. you started describing <laughs> it, I'm like, I think he's talking about David Mayfield. Yeah, yeah David Mayfield Parade is the name of his band, and uh, and yeah, I think he's super talented. Yeah, that was the last time, when I think it was last year, that I bought a, something I could hold in my hand. Um, if you were a championship wrestler, what would be the music you would enter with? Um, let me think. Championship wrestler, probably some raps. <laughs> there are some... Uh, there was some music that I recently heard from that um, movie Creed Three. Okay, <laughs> so I've been um, I I did a marathon, so I've been training a lot with running. It's Rocky related, so that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that works. I could have just said the Rocky theme song. Yeah, everybody. Usually, people say "Gonna Fly" now, but you know this is close enough. Creed Three, yeah, close enough. Yeah, there's some music from Creed Three, like that's just like there's hip hop, and it just gets me like real hype. So I'll probably listen to that. What would your wrestler name be? Hmm. I don't know. Let's go with um, Jay Thunder. Jay Thunder. Yes. <laughs> um, do you listen to music while you're running? Uh, yes. Well, I usually, um, if it's a long run, I'll go without it for a while. And just kind of like if feel like nature and breathing and kind of feel that oneness. And then I'll kind of figure out what mood I'm into and then put it on about halfway through. If you could broadcast a song into the head of all the people on the planet together at once, what song would you broadcast? Hmm. That's an interesting question. One song? One song. One moment. Everyone on the planet. They hear it in their head <laughs> as if by magic. Oh. 
Let's go with, uh, let's take a left turn and go with uh, some John Mayer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and let's do um, Comfortable. I love uh, playing and listening to that song. Comfortable by John Mayer. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are here with us today? Um, he would probably think, wow, let me get some of that money. <laughs> he has a job <laughs> and a car <laughs> and a wife. I can't hmm. even get a girlfriend. <laughs> cool. Any advice you want to give to your 14-year-old self? Uh, uh yeah, I'll tell my 14-year-old self, um, you know, you can do it. Believe in yourself. Have confidence. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> um, all right. It's time for you to recommend three people that you'll share this with that you think we can get on. All right. Like on, on the air, I got to yeah, recommend three people. Like right now. <laughs> three people. I think Jared forgot to mention that during the spiel. I thought I said it. Maybe you did. I don't know. He did not say that at all. <laughs> That's in the, this is in the instructions that we uh, sent you. So if you don't have them in your brain, you can do it on the fly or you can just cop out and email us later. I always say there's something that I forget. Every, yeah, I know. Every and I time. wasn't listening closely enough to correct you. <laughs> all right. Um, obviously, we, you could uh, talk to. And they don't have to be local. This could, they could be anywhere. Okay. We, we do remote. Okay. Uh, you could obviously talk to. Um, uh, Dame, you're a Byron from my band, Indigo Eye. That would be great. That would be cool. They, yeah, definitely. Byron, he's done a lot of things. A lot of uh, work with some some interesting groups and did some uh, fighting. Cool. <laughs> um, what else? Have you talked to uh, to Frankie already, Frankie Colt? No. Frankie. Uh, she has been recommended over the years, but we've never made it work. So if you can help make that work, that would be great. Well, I can you know, I can holler at her. Cool. I have a lot of love for her. You know, she really uh, helped. Uh, I played with her for many years. And yeah, she really helped teach me kind of how the, how the music business goes. Um, and one more. Let's see. Have you talked to Mark Drew? He just released an album. No. Mark Drew. Oh, yeah. He's a a rapper. So I sometimes I play with uh, the band Strange Arrangement. I've heard of them. Yes. And uh, he's he raps with them. And he actually does um, inspirational inspirational speeches. He's a, he's teaches. He's a teacher. It's like he's very, um, you know, very enthusiastic, more than more than me. Like he's the type of person that would dress up in some wild costume and read the story to a bunch of seven year olds. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and he's yeah, he just released an album like this past week. If you were to ask me the last album I bought that I could put on my phone, I would have mentioned him. Gotcha. Well, well, make sure that they know you're on this and then do your best to get them connected to us and then we'll try to get them on. OK. Any final thoughts? No, just uh, thanks for having me. We make three-song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer, and our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're handing it off to J-Law. This is the first track off his album, The Lonely Warrior. It's called Drowning. 
keep listening.